this morning we're going to look at, uh, again, about the forward motion that we find out of God's word. And, uh, you know, our purpose here is to be desiring his presence and making his presence known. And uh, as I look through the book of Philippians, I find there's a forward motion that uh, the Philippian church had. And as Paul, as he wrote to this Philippian church, remember what Paul was, was encountering. He was in prison. Um, he was writing to them from a prison cell. He was writing to them being chained. And he gives them some encouraging thoughts about what they can be doing as a church. And last week we looked about sharing the gospel, being forward in sharing the gospel with those that do not know Christ, with making sure that we are uh, proclaiming the supremacy of Jesus Christ. And this week, I really want to focus in on cultivating worship, cultivating worship. And uh, so let's take our Bibles, we'll turn to the book of Philippians, and we're going to look here at Philippians chapter number one. Philippians chapter number one, cultivating worship. So how are we going to make his presence known? How are we going to desire his presence and make his presence known here in Middlebury, Indiana? Well, one way that we can do that is to cultivate worship. And uh, look at the Bible, what it says, Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. Paul writes here, he says, For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. So what exactly is worship? What is worship? You know, we came here this morning, we had a time of praise, we had a time of prayer, we had a time of getting together. Uh, right now we're having this time about being around God's word, but what exactly is worship? Paul writes, for to me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. What is worship? How are we going to cultivate worship where we live in this area? How are we going to make his presence known? How are we going to desire his presence? We need to be cultivating worship. So let's take a look here at a few things here, what Paul was writing here. Number one, we cultivate worship by magnifying Christ. We cultivate worship by magnifying Christ. Look what the Bible says here in verse 20. It says, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed but with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Some other translations read, Christ will be magnified in my body. And the whole idea of honored is, is one that you are magnifying, you are giving praise, you are giving honor uh, to the one who is worthy of that praise. So Christ will be magnified. We cultivate worship by magnifying Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to think about this. Here is Paul's situation. He's in prison. What's he in prison for? It wasn't for parking tickets. It wasn't for doing something, something crazy out in the streets. He's in prison for preaching the gospel. He's in prison for being a danger to society. I mean... I can guarantee you probably when they brought him in, they probably thought, this is the guy? This is the guy that's making all the trouble? Him? This is him? And here's Paul. He's in prison. He's bound. 
and he has color TV, he has three, no, okay. He's in prison. I mean, this was a desperate situation that Paul was in. Prison those days was nothing to be something that was great. I mean, if he got fed, maybe, um, probably the stench, probably the, the rats and the bugs and everything was there sleeping on hard, cold ground. It was a desperate situation. Paul's in prison and he says this, Christ will be honored in my body. Now think about the body of, of, the body of Paul here. Uh, we can read about some things that Paul went through. The Bible tells us that he received five times, received he 40 lashes, save one. So five times he was scourged with a cat of nine tails. You realize all the, uh, the scars that were on him? It says that he was beaten three times. It says that he, was, he suffered shipwreck. He was in perils of water and perils of night. Uh, there was one time that he had to be let down by the wall of a basket because there was a mob that was after him. Uh, he was in fastings often. I don't think he was in the fact that he just was wanting to fast. I think he just probably didn't have anything to eat. And Paul says here that Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. So how are we going to cultivate worship? We must magnify Christ. Take a look at the text here. As Paul considered Jesus Christ and his sacrifice he made, Paul made a big deal about it. He made the sacrifice of Jesus greater in the eyes of others. He enlarged Christ's death and his resurrection. He magnified Christ. He magnified Christ, the Bible tells us here, with full courage. So how do we magnify Christ? Certainly, we can't make Christ greater than he is. I mean, because the Bible already tells us that his name is above every name. So how do we magnify Christ? Well, I brought a little prop here to help us do this, okay? So we have a magnifying glass here. And when I was a kid, the useful purpose of this was to burn ants and start fires. <laughs> but I think as you get older, you sometimes use these so you can read, okay? Um, my grandfather, who has passed away now, he's up in heaven, um, he had this big machine that had like, it was like almost like a microfish machine, and that's how he would write his checks. I mean, like big letters, and I'm like, wow, Grandpa, that's, that's pretty neat, because he just couldn't see. He had to have it magnified so he could see. So you think about a magnifying glass. If we are going to magnify Christ, this really helps us understand this. Because as we look at something and we get closer to it, we can see fine details. Okay? <laughs> we can see things that maybe we never saw before. And as when we think about Christ, we begin to magnify him, we begin to inspect, we begin to look at him from a different aspect. We see things about Christ that we never saw before. We see things about his character, about his nature, about his love and his mercy and his grace that we never realized before. And as we continue to look, Christ becomes more magnificent. He becomes greater. 
He becomes awesome. He becomes something that we look at, we say, boy, this is amazing what Christ is. Now think back here at Paul. Here's his situation. He's in a dire situation. Now this is what Paul could have done. He could have took out his magnifying glass, could have said, man, look at these chains. Look at how terrible these chains are. Look at this. I don't have anything around here. Man, my life is hopeless. But he didn't choose to do that. He chose to magnify Christ. So as we take out our magnifying glasses and we look into the word of God, we begin to inspect. We begin to find the fine details. And you know what I begin to find? Is that as I enlarge Christ, the things in my life seem very insignificant. Because Christ is magnified. And so if we are going to cultivate worship, we're going to move forward, then we need to be magnifying Christ. All of us in here have problems. Is there anybody in here that doesn't have a problem? I would say all of us have problems. I mean, life is a problem. You know, when you're a little kid, it's like everything's great. But then as you get older and older, you're like, where did all these problems come from? It's like they just showed up. But we have our problems in our life. But what are we focusing on? Are we focusing on the problem? Or are we focusing on the person and the work of Jesus Christ? Are we choosing to magnify the Lord? If we don't magnify Christ, then our problems seem to grow bigger and bigger and bigger. I don't want my problems to overcome me. I want Christ to overcome my problems. And when I choose to magnify him, it does that. So Paul says, whether by my life or even by death, he says, I'm going to magnify the Lord. You know, we think about how could one magnify the Lord even in their death? I mean, Paul you read over there, I think it's in First uh, Timothy, he says, for I am ready to be offered. I mean, I think Paul was in his prison cell and he sees the guy over there with the axe and he's, you know, sharpening it and he's going, hey, my time's up. I've fought a good fight. I've run my race. He says, the time of my departure is at hand now. I'm going to magnify the Lord in my death. So we need to be magnifying the Lord with our life. How do we cultivate worship? We magnify Christ. So we need to turn our focus, our attention to Christ. Magnify him with our life. Let's look at a second thing here. How are we going to cultivate worship? Look what the Bible says here, verse 21. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. We cultivate worship by following Christ. We cultivate worship by following Christ. If we are going to desire his presence and make his presence known, if we are going to move forward in that, then we must follow Christ. Paul knew that secret and he knew it well. This is the secret to the Christian life, following Jesus. That's all there is to it. You know, the Christian life is not a a concoction of methods and ideas and plans and schemes. It's just follow Jesus. 
That is the call that Christ makes to every single one of us. Follow me. That was it. Remember when the Lord called his disciples and they were following him? And many times there was great crowds that began to follow him. You know what Jesus always did? He turned around and he says, if you really are going to be my disciple, then here is the benchmark. Here is the standard. This is how you're going to follow me. And there was a lot of people that turned away and left from following Christ. They were more fans of Jesus than they were actual followers of Jesus. And so if I'm going to cultivate worship in my life, then I need to be a follower of Jesus Christ. What does that mean? Well, look at the text again. For to me to live is Christ. My life is Christ. I pray that you would follow Christ. Make Christ your focus. Make Christ your benchmark. Make Christ the goal in your life. Not a man. Not a philosophy. Not a tradition or a pastor. Make Christ the focus of your life. Paul spoke it well as he said, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. You know, I love the words of this song, If I rise, let me rise on you. Not on all my successes, my esteem or my pursuits. If I lose, let me lose my life. Because if I belong to Jesus, the flesh is crucified. If I grow, let me grow in you. Wilt the seeds of wanting more rip in pride out by the roots. And if I'm still, let me hear you speak. Not the tone of my transgressions, but the song of the redeemed. My great desire is to be with you, but this is the place you chose for me. This is the place you chose for me to lift my cross and give everything. This is the time you gave to me. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. I'll never be the same. Our worship is living Christ. We should not be living an idea. We should not be living an achievement, but we are to live the Christ life. Christ is not dead, but he is alive. He wasn't just some kind of a martyr. He is a victor. He was not some guy that just existed 2,000 years ago. He is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He is Christ. And our life should be a focus and it should be following him. Christ has given us the pattern for the Christian life. Paul says it well, to live is Christ. You know, in our worship, we are to be Christ-like. There is a call for all those who profess Christ as their Savior. Follow me. So if you profess Christ as your Savior, I profess Christ as my Savior, then my worship to him should match up exactly what it means to follow Christ. Everything about my life should match up to the Christian life, to the Christ life. That should be my goal in life. Not my plans, not my schemes, not my ideas. In Sunday school, I encourage you, if, you, if you're not coming to Sunday school, I encourage you to come. We're studying out of 1 Corinthians. 
And uh, this morning we just talked about that, the wisdom of God and the foolishness of man. And how we think so many times that we have it all together and God just looks at us and says, what are you doing? We're thinking we're so great and so powerful and God just says, oh yeah? (laughs) The Christ life, following Christ. Can I ask you a question? If you are not following Christ, start to follow him. Make the desire, make the, make the change to start following Christ. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, can I encourage you? Make the decision to turn from your sins and trust Christ. Begin to follow him. Become a true follower of the Lord. Don't trust in all of your traditions and your works and, and all your religious type stuff. Turn from that and follow Jesus. Paul says, for me to live is Christ. That's what his life was about. It was never about Paul. It was about Christ. May our lives be about that. Not about me, not about you, but about Jesus Christ. So if we are going to cultivate worship, we need to follow Christ. Let's look at a third thing here. And this kind of just flows right into it. How are we going to follow Christ? How are we going to cultivate that worship? Let's take a look here. Number three, We cultivate worship by living the gospel. Look at verse 27. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. We cultivate worship by living the gospel. Now, notice the progression here, okay? If I want to worship Christ, this is the progression. I'm going to magnify him, and as I begin to magnify Christ, his life, everything about Christ, I'm going to strive to live for. I'm going to live after Christ. I'm going to follow him because I'm magnifying the Lord. And as I am living for Christ, I am living out the gospel. I am living out Christ among those that do not know Christ. I am living out Christ in a darkened, sin-cursed world. And so we must live out the gospel. As I learn of Christ, I become a servant. How do I worship him? I live out the gospel. Paul says, your manner of life, your manner of life be worthy of the gospel. Let that saying sink into your ears just for a moment. Your manner of life be worthy of the gospel. Is the manner, the conversation, and the behavior of my life worthy of the gospel? If we are going to cultivate worship, then our manner, our behavior, our conversation of life needs to be worthy of the gospel. In other words, does my life line up 
with the gospel of Christ. We need to be consistent. We need to act worthy of our profession. If we are going to desire his presence and make his presence known, we must be consistent in living the gospel. Our lives must line up with his. Our life should be marked by reverence, thankfulness, loyalty to Christ, love for God, love for people, living for eternity. Notice about cultivating our worship is not only a private devotion, because look what he says. He says, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel. It's not just a private devotion, but it's also to be public. It's a devotion to the gospel. It's it publicly. When we come together here as, as a body of believers and we meet together, we all have our different lives. We all interact differently with different people, we have families, we have job situations, it's all different. We all have our public, our, our private devotional life together, okay? You have a devotional life, I have a devotional life, it's all that private time with the Lord. But as we come together, we meet together, it needs to be publicly that we are following Christ and that we are living out the gospel together. Notice the text here. He says, Paul says, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Now, I like what Paul is saying here. Remember his situation. He's in prison. Paul's writing to them, and he say, look, he says, you guys need to magnify Christ, you need to live Christ. You need to live out the gospel. And I love this. Look at some of these verses here prior to this one. He says this in verse 22. He says, if I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. And he says, I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart, to die, to leave this world, and he says to be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh, to remain here on earth, to remain in prison, is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming again to you again. So Paul's saying, look, here I am in prison, but I want you to magnify Christ because I'm going to magnify Christ. He says, I'm in prison. I'm going to continue to follow Christ. I want you to continue to follow Christ. He says, it's more necessary for me to be here because together we're going to be standing firm in one spirit, one mind, side by side, for the faith of the gospel. A few years back, um, I was asked to teach PE. That was a big mistake. <laughs> and uh, I, thought it, I thought it'd be cool. I had, uh, let's see, I think they were, I think the youngest age I had there was like first grade. I think it was first through sixth grade. And I was like, all right, I'm going to be the cool PE teacher. We're going to play uh, Red Rover. 
And so I had all these kids, you know, I said, all right, this is what you're going to do. You stand up, side one group of uh, people standing in a line. You're going to lock arms. The other side, you're going to lock arms. You're going to call somebody over, right? They call this kid. He was like in first grade. And this kid's like running. <laughs> the idea is if you break through the other side, then they get to keep you. If you can't, then you, well, let's say, no, if you, if you can't break through, they get to keep you. But if you, they do break through, they get to take somebody else on the other side. So here's this, like, first grader, right? And he's, like, running. And he's running towards these, like, sixth graders. And they have their arms. And it was just, like, closed line. I mean, it was, I felt so bad for the kid. I was like, oh, man, I hope I didn't hurt him. So, but anyways, I want you to think about this, Okay. Our public life of living out the gospel, standing firm in one spirit with one mind, side by side for the faith of the gospel. Think about that. We're going to cultivate worship. We're going to stand side by side. Tom, let me borrow you real quick. We're going to stand side by side. We're linking arms here. We're of one mind. We are of one spirit for the faith of the gospel. And as we stand side by side, the text tells us something here. Let me read it to you. Thanks, Tom. Text says this. Look down here at verse number uh, 28. And not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them that their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you for that the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. So when we stand side by side, cultivating worship together, because we are going to choose, we, we, every single one of us in here that knows Christ as our Savior, we are going to choose to live out the gospel. We're going to set aside all of our petty differences we're going to set aside all of our nonsense and our pride and our arrogance. We're going to stand side by side and we're going to link arms together. We're going to stand in one spirit and one mind for the faith of the gospel. Our opponents, those that look at us and say, you're ignorant, you're foolish. What are you doing? We're going to attack you. They're going to come and they're just going to go, because we're going to stand side by side, arms linked together. This is our public cultivating of our worship together with the Lord. So here's the question. What is worship? What is it? We looked at the fact of living the gospel. We looked at the fact of following Christ. We looked at the fact of magnifying Christ. But what is worship? Worship is worth-ship. Christ is worthy of our worth-ship. Our worship. He is worthy. Why do I follow Christ? Because he is worthy. Why should I magnify Christ above my current situations and problems? Because he is worthy. Why should I live out the gospel not only in my private life, but also choose to link arms with those that I have the same mind in the gospel, in our public life? 
because he is worthy. So we as a church here, we as a body of believers, we're going to desire his presence. We're going to make his presence known. We need to cultivate a spirit of worship in our lives. And not just in our private lives, but in our public lives together. It should be no, it should be no surprise whatsoever that we together here don't live as a family. We are to live as a family. It's not just that guy that lives over there and he comes to church. He's my brother in Christ if he knows the Lord as a Savior. It's not just that lady that comes sometimes and, yeah, you know, she's kind of crazy. I don't know what's wrong, you know, she just comes. She's my sister in Christ if she knows the Lord. And we're a family unit together. So it should be no surprise that if I have a problem in my life and I'm going through some difficulties, that Tom would come by and he'd say, hey, I noticed there's some things going on in your life and I want to pray for you. Spirit of the Lord has been speaking to me and that he's, he's, he's been moving me to, to talk to you. I want to help you. I want to encourage you. And this is all about the cultivating of the worship in our lives so we can stand linked arms together with one mind, with one spirit for the faith of the gospel. You know, our world is moving so fast, and it's moving in a direction that many of us are looking at and saying, this is crazy. What is going on here? But as Christians, we are not to be moving with the world because this world is not our home. We have a home made in the heavens. <laughs> and so we are to be standing firm as the world begins to move and says, well, this is okay. We look at that and we say, no, that's not okay. Because we follow Christ. We need to cultivate our worship together. And in doing so, when we stand, look what the Bible says here. He says this in verse 29, for it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had now here that I still have. When we stand and we take a firm stand for Christ, we're going to be engaged in a conflict. But I, if we link our arms together, we cultivate worship, one spirit, one mind, our enemies are not going to be able to get through because we're going to be standing for the faith of the gospel. So how about you? Do you cultivate worship in your life? Have you been cultivating worship in your life? Have you been magnifying Christ through his word, worshiping him, giving him worth-ship in your life? Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the power that it has to speak to us. And God, I pray that we would make you worthy um, Lord, help us to open our eyes that we might see you. God, we pray that you would be magnified, that you'd be exalted.
We pray that as a church that we would cultivate worship in our life. Help us to bring praise and honor to you. Recognizing that we don't bring anything to the table, that we are just helpless children. (laughs) And we need you. We need your help. I pray for those that are struggling with some serious problems in their life right now. God, that they would look towards you, the rock, the shield, the buckler, the high and mighty tower, the one that they could put their confidence and faith and trust in. We pray for those that do not know Christ, that they would make a decision to turn from their sin and trust you. Jesus, may you draw them unto yourself. We're so grateful for this day. Thank you for this body of believers that you've gathered here together for a purpose. You've put us here for a purpose, God. Help us not neglect that. We thank you, we love you, in Christ's name.